Hey there! Did you know Kroger always gives you savings and rewards on top of our lower-than-low prices? And when you download the Kroger app, you'll enjoy over $500 in savings every week with digital coupons. And don't forget fuel points to help you save up to $1 per gallon at the pump. Want to save even more? With a Boost membership, you'll get double fuel points and free delivery. So shop and save big at Kroger today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Afternoon, everyone, and welcome once again to our special needs hangout. I am your host, as usual, Sylvia Moran Chabo from Andy Speaks for Special Needs Persons, which is a right-based organization that champions for inclusion and mainstreaming of persons with neurodevelopmental disabilities as the key focus. And uh, we've been having this special needs hangout for the past how many months? Since April. So that we can walk this journey together, support each other, uh, advice, learn from each other, and uh, gain skills of how to get through these tough sessions. I know we've had NeuroDigest on Science TV before, and we are continuing it because uh, NeuroDigest under our programs is the section where we have awareness and education programs. So, Karibuni, everyone, and today, this month, on the sixth world is World CP Day, and we're honored to be having Maria for today to help us uh, get to understand, encourage, and give someone, you know, most of us parents, I will not lie to you, sometimes we feel like it's the end of the world. So Maria, <laughs> it's an honor to have you here today, and uh, we would like at least for you to be able to shed some light, like how do you do it? How do you start? So just a tip bit of your history, but first you'll introduce yourself so that we can take it from there. So back to you, Maria. So tell us, what's your name? All the titles you have, so that at least we know who we are dealing with. Eh? <laughs> so Maria, tell me. So, that's the Yes, yes, continue, continue, Maria. 
because me and I talk too much and too fast so <laughs> I was trying to allow time so that uh, at least we can hear you clearly and I can see also our internet is, is acting up but yeah at least I got I got a good hang of the intro so tell me how was it growing up like um, how did your mom find out how did she react or how does she tell you how it was and um, what challenges were there when you were growing up well, um, for me, when I was born, my mother said um, she had a few complications and the nurses and the doctors were very unresponsive to uh, what she was saying. By the time I was already exhausted and I didn't cry and I didn't breathe and then um, the doctors put me in an incubator for weeks and then finally they told my mom um, you have a beautiful baby girl but she has acquired some brain damage and my mom keeps saying um, I was her first child and, and also um, she was a first parent, a first time parent, so she did not understand what's, what was going on. So when uh, she was so a baby to go home, she was lucky enough to find a pediatrician who was more aware about cerebral palsy, and he's the one who showed her uh, the journey to follow and the process to go. So in Kenya, I feel just like in my case, a lot of children with cerebral palsy are uh, because of medical negligence. And it feels such um, a part. It's so frustrating to think that one mistake from the doctors or the nurses or one wrong move. I feel um, a child's life around and actually can change the whole family um, dynamic. So um, after that, uh, we went through the process of going through therapy 
as protected by our premium number six months old and up to now I'm still doing terrible but uh, and of course a lot of medical interventions and I had so many surgeries and I was always in and out of hospital when I was young and I was always protected by my parents because I was and they say why not? I was so weak and anything could have happened. But one thing I admire about my journey when I was uh, little was how my parents um, went through it because they became aware of cerebral palsy and then they accepted. And now, when I'm older, I'm realizing how hard that must have been just um, accepting the child as a um, lifelong impairment. Uh, that's one thing that really changed my life because when I I also got So, and also other people got So, how parents um, treat and, and um, think and behave and, and take their children to be, that's how society looks and also takes their child to be. Um, so I remember when I was four and I started walking, I was four years and <laughs> I kept from falling everywhere. So my dad was saying, we need to get her a helmet because she was falling all the time. And also, um, I was falling all the time, meant I was being allowed to play. I was being allowed to get away from my parents' bubble. I was being allowed to play with other children and being allowed to go outside. And that was also a key aspect of my life that I was never sure I was different. I was saying, okay, you want to go and play? Go play. You want to go and do this? Go and do this. But of course, I needed to be extra careful and extra cautious. Uh, I needed to have um, someone like my auntie or my so those are two very important things I think my parents did and I think our parents should do is be aware and of course try and get that 
early intervention as early as possible, whether it's seeing specialists or going for therapy, don't miss out on the early intervention. And also acceptance is a big deal, not only for yourself, but also for your child. Because um, the way you perceive your child to be will be ultimately the way the society will be. Bingo. All right. So at least, at least I, I like I like the way you you've shared how 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 growing up was for you and now the things that that your parents did because yeah I I do concur acceptance exposure and early interventions are key to a child living their full life right and so how did uh, you said you're the firstborn how many other siblings do you have uh, I have one more sibling and we are six years apart. Ah, so yeah, yeah, I can imagine it takes a while before you get the courage to give birth again. <laughs> and how has it been, how, how has it been now when it comes to relation with other children and the society? How did the society uh, embrace you during these early uh, years of growth, let's say up until you were a teenager? And then now you'll tell us phase two of like how teenage life was like. But first, I would like, I'm, I'm usually very curious because my kids are around that space and I'm like, how do they have fit in with these other children? Is there something that they go through that I don't know, you know? So how normally, how, how, how is it? How, how does the society embrace it? Um, uh, thanks. So uh, when I was younger, um, it was much more easier, I guess, uh, <laughs> because, because I didn't understand things. I didn't understand cerebral palsy, and other children also didn't understand cerebral palsy. They thought you look different or you talk different, but if you can play, uh, if I have snacks, then they are good for you. So I think um, having a different ability when we are younger is easier than when you get to preaching and teenage years because that's when um, you get your man, so you start understanding yourself. And I remember one day, uh, I think we had gone to church with my mom, and for me, people used to laugh and stare, but like, it was no big deal. Mm. Uh, Never hit for me, you know why people are staring at me. I was like, oh, that's. Yeah, and, and I thought, okay, then maybe I'm different. And then I was like, okay, 
That's why people ask why talk like that. Because um, I remember my mom, watching my mom be, she gave me answers to every question. <laughs> so she told me, if people ask you why you're talking like that, tell them those are my thoughts. And people tell you why they like talking like that. You tell them that's how you are born. So I feel she prepared me, but though I didn't know what she was preparing me for. So I feel she gave me the answers, or she gave me the expectations of what other people would ask me. Um, so the challenge came in, in when I was, I think, 13 or 14, and I couldn't do the same things other people were doing, and I couldn't go to the fair, I couldn't do the normal things people were doing. And so now, they would really tease me. And when we get into it, and that's the only time I think in my life I had to question myself um, about it. And I had to go back and ask my mom, okay, why me? Because I want to play the piano and I can't. Or I want to be in the scout um, team and I can't. Or I want to play with my friends and I can't. And so everything I asked my mom, uh, why me? Why me? Why do I have cerebral palsy? Why not someone else? And then one thing she said, she was a, okay, if not you, who else? Who else would have had this to know? And I feel that um, allowed me even to be more comfortable in who I am. So whatever the other truth about me. I would always come back and tell my mama, yeah, they say this and this and this. Uh, they say you can do anything and they call me names. But I was always secure in what my mom says and what the people close to me say. And so, I think even as I was in school and and teenage, having that foundation was very important for me, mm -hmm. and for me to understand myself better. And that foundation 
comes from the people who are immediately close to Marilyn. And um, that, that made it easier because now I had And I was aware that, okay, I have cerebral palsy, but it doesn't make me any difference. It doesn't make me any less. Okay, I can't feel how you're playing, so I play another game to play. So I feel the foundation mother's view and Sylvia did a fantastic job with the boys because they're so confident in who they are and their foundation they give them is the building blocks for their way. Would you say, is there, because I'm, I'm just trying to think the, the, the way you're saying, the way it's tough and you got to the point you're asking why you at some a certain point in life. Uh, I'm just trying, I'm, I'm just trying to, to, to wonder and to just raise, is, is there anything, someone that has, has ever said that you doubted yourself or that made you feel like someone has just destroyed you? they're like a statement like someone did because for me for me as a parent i remember the what was most painful that my child went through but you see for them the emotions uh, for autistic sometimes those emotions are not quite there so like is there is there anyone who's ever tried to put you down that really got to you uh, yeah of course of course okay. um and i remember but I remember one teacher, um, and I remember I had just gotten to know about terrible person. I think I was twelve. I had just gotten to know the definition of. <laughs> And then I remember one teacher, we were peace, and we were seated in a circle, and the other kids asked him what's wrong with him. And I don't make, I don't make that statement on it what's wrong with him. And so I was so ready to tell them, um, I have certain clothing, it's a condition, and all that. So I was so ready to tell them. And then all of a sudden, he said, um, I think I will make a robot. And I was like, and you know, but then you don't know what he's talking about. Um, so that to me because I just kept quiet and then I thought maybe he's right, you know. Um, but yeah, I think that one hurt me the most because. 
How do you think someone's were in front of them? Um, but of course, there have been many, many other bad words thrown at me, but I think that one was a loss because he was telling my fellow uh, my fellow like students and yeah it 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 wasn't so Yeah, I, I can imagine that 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 must have been tough. So, well, well, this the you were in a regular school, an integrated school, or how, what school was it? Uh, so in primary, I was in a typical school, mm -hmm. and then I later joined KCCL in my high school. Mm -hmm. um, Primary was chaotic um, because of, you know, our Kenyan system, and they are so based on performance, how you perform, how you do, uh, the mean score. And I was always that doctor dropping the mean score. So, <laughs> I'm not going to be in the heavens. Um, so there was that. And then the class I landed into, uh, the teacher did not understand terrible words and did not understand she's slow. Um, she takes time before understanding the concept. Mm -hmm. um, she can write very fast, uh, she can do me very well. So I remember I used to be punished for funny things. And one memory I have of, um, of a school was, you know how we used uh this books, this set books. Yes. And and we read from the first one at the end and everyone would read a paragraph of the book and we'd all read. And I remember the teacher used to pass me. <laughs> and and just move on to the next person. And I wanted to read. Yeah, I wanted to read the sixth book aloud, even though I was slow and I would take more time and I'd be, I would take more stress. But I wanted to read. But I remember. So, yeah, that, that was painful. So, I feel um, in primary school, it would have been easier if 
the teachers understood they understood they helped me in their class and they were more considerate in making that space for me. Um, so I feel that was amazing that and something else here is I remember there was okay, there was one teacher till and his name was George. George understood me. And what I noticed, or when I look back, I noticed you can actually, I actually felt the difference in how the students treated me in his class compared to how the students treated me in this other classroom. So if how to make a mistake in this other classes, they block it. But in this class, no one would mess with it. So I think that was also a big difference how a teacher um, introduces to the different abilities matters a lot in how the other students see this child with a different ability. So teachers also and, 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 and people need to mind their words very, very much. So even the teacher because you can imagine when a teacher says something like that and he's the teacher so the rest of the children like the one who said about because that means it's something that really like those kids left grew up thinking like anyone with cp is you know so yeah that that can be quite heartbreaking and i i, I believe molding molding so our teachers need to be sensitized that's what you're saying yeah they need to be also Remember that you have feelings and whatever I said and how they treat you is how the other students are going to treat you. The same attitude they give is the same attitude that everyone else is going to give you. So the, this, this teacher nice, let's call him teacher nice. Was that in primary school or in high school? That was in primary school. Wow. And I took men for two classes and Followed up with me in classes because now we were all wondering how we do classes. <laughs> um, everyone wonders how did you do? I'll ask that was actually my next question. So, how was it class eight and exams and expectations now that you've said you were being looked at as that student who drops our mean score in school? So, how, how was it for you at that time? Uh, I think that's an interesting thing about today's is um, the expectations people put on it don't stick. Mm -hmm. They don't stick mm -hmm. and they don't matter mm -hmm. because I feel no one expects me to get to Chelsea. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't even have a strategic 
plan for it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just moving from one stream to the other, and they were just trying to see where it fits best. And what I'm fortunate is there were no reasonable accommodations. Um, in many ways. And um, like doing a composition in ancient, I'll write half a page in the time given window, and I'll get a half a page here. Mm. And, and though I had given it my best, um, I feel there was no like, shifting from the way things were done to the way things were supposed to be done. Um, so the only thing that helped was a multiple choice um, to math and English and Swahili and the ABCD that made things a bit easier for me. Mm. Um, but also another thing I'd like to mention Sega is I remember when I was doing my KCP and my sister knowing you I could not do without reasonable communication, extra time, um, extra like materials and all that. So my mom insisted and she went to the national examination sport and she followed up on the reasonable communication. And uh, we actually got them. So I had an extra individual myself. I was allowed to be in an extra room from the others. And I was allowed extra time and extra materials. Everything was, even with all of this, the school, on the first day of KCP, the school assumed the reasonable communication. And I was put in the same room as others. Um, I had an invigilator, but she was seated for me and I did get extra time but it was in between for example when the other students are done and I'm not done and they leave I will be distracted so it didn't really work out on the first day so when I was she went, we went to school the following day and she insisted you have to give her the things she needs 
to be able to do that. So, two things that stood out for me with that experience is if you don't ask for reasonable accommodations, they will assume. They will even pretend they have never heard about them and they won't give you what you need to, to perform as best as others. And also, I feel we so many times we allow in many ways because in primary school I feel we are too busy surviving and telling them they are too busy surviving that people get really excluding us because we don't have the courage to push and push our way through the system. I, I believe the system uh, has the information and you should not have to really, really push so hard. But this is Kenya. Sadly, everything has to be fought for, especially for if you need anything different or if you're not according to the typical space. And, and, and uh, I, I would like to say salute to your mom because it seems like she has walked with you through and through from the foundation to actually even now when you're, you're doing your KCP and she's like, no, 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 she has to get this and she has to get this. Mm -hmm. So that's what actually I believe parenting is about, right? We have to be there, support and believe. And I'm sure if she had not like instilled in you like the, the, what you told us earlier that you can do anything, be anything, you know, uh, and no, if not you, then, you know, so and on this, I'm sure, like now when you're an adult and uh, when you went through high school, because I can imagine teenage life, being a teenager and what teenagers always do expect and feel and whatnot. So how did you survive that, have being in that space, you know? Because everyone is like, oh, we're going out, we're doing this. There are changes going on in everyone. And uh, I really try and imagine, like, how was that space for you? We've heard of the early years. Now this is what I'm about now, teenage life. How, how hard was that? Because I, I, I can't begin to imagine. So you just paint for us a picture briefly. I remember, I remember in class, was it class seven or class eight, and everyone had a crush on someone. And then I remember I also had a crush. I, I didn't fear talking. <laughs> I didn't fear telling everyone. Ah, so my crush also. Um, but of course, they treated me and laughed at me. And it never got that serious for me. Um, so, of course, you are. I was growing up just like any other teenager. I was. Being mischievous, I wanted to be cheeky, I wanted to watch a bit on TV or 
listen to Christopher here and um, I just want you to be a teenager, but sometimes after I raise you have a different ability and you have a problem around you. So you don't get away with doing some of the things because I remember like even going out with my friends, I was very weak sometimes. So I would only go out with my mom. The other time I found my friends was after school and we are walking up and we go either buy sausages and smokies and then walk home. So I feel um, I was so protected in a way. Which is a good thing and not such a good thing. From my parents' perspective, they were protecting me from the harm in the world and from being abused. Uh, but also from my perspective, I feel they were, prote they were protecting me from experiencing. So I feel that there was a tangle there because until when I was in I did I hear other people my age saying what they did when they were in high school or when they were in teenage. But I'm like because I never going to experience most of those things. So I feel there are two bubbles. There's the parents' bubble, and also I feel that society has a bubble because I feel they don't, uh, they assume that we don't have the same emotions and we do, you know, but they didn't understand that unless they include us, unfortunately. Okay, wow. Um, so, so did you ever get, let me ask this silly question, did you ever get like to go out and experience, you know, the way guys go out like uh, for parties and stuff like that. Um, why, why, when you're saying your parents shielded you, did they shield you to that level of no, 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 you can't go and stuff like that. Or really like, oh, you have to go with your sibling and, you know, because I know I've done that for my sons. Those ones are like, how is he going to go alone? Oh my God, is he going to be okay? So you always make sure the big brother is there. So was that, are we doing the right thing when we do that or you didn't get to experience that? I think you are doing the right thing to some extent. The extent of enter their confident enough to be on their own. And I remember 
Did you get to the, so, and the second time was it easier? Yes. 
the second time in Brazilia, and and then now people start knowing me, mm-hmm. start supporting me, mm-hmm. and everyone. Now that I'm in the world, then mm-hmm. people understand how to work with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I remember even the Madrid with me at 4 p.m. Maria will be in the state. So I also feel if she, if she allowed other to yeah, that's the biggest fit they need because I wasn't going to be her handbag for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I'm seeing the guys are following us also on social media. They have just requested if you could be a bit louder because they can't quite hear you well, right? Um, but but yeah, they're saying great conversation there. Now tell me, uh, now how was uh, university? Was it easy? First of all, you did KCPE. Did, were you called to a uh, high school? Did you have to still hustle to find a high school? After high school, you did your form for how was KCSE? And were you forced to again hustle to get into, um, like, did you still have to fight your way? Um, what do you, how, how do I put it? Did you have to fight your way now to actually get administered into a university? And even a uh, university, was it conducive? Did you do the course that you wanted? Were they accommodative? Because, you know, these are some of the fears and like unknown grounds that we feel is out there. How was it, Maria? Um, well, uh, so after KCP, uh, it took a blow on me. And I wanted to be haunted. There was this school. I don't even know where they went. But, but it took a blow on me. So my parents decided to change me into the American system, which is a bit easier to continue with the Kenyan system. Um, so I went to KCCL. And KCCL, those days, it was heaven. Ah, going somewhere where people understand you and people actually get to the feeling. And they tell you, because you write slow, you can use a laptop. Uh, let's look at what you're good at, not what you can't do. So, Casey's uh, was just um, a very good place for me in the to recover system and it was so much accommodated in many ways. Um, 
So I did HCL for four years. And finally, thing maybe not into how I got into advocacy. When I went to HCL, I was shy. And I was super broken and I was down. And, and then um, the teachers noticed that. Why were you broken and down and low uh, at, the, at the point of entry? Yes. Yeah. What, was uh, causing, what was causing that state for you? I, I think it was just what happened. In, in primary school and, and this going through um say seven and here I feel, I feel when you don't understand yourself and then other people make it harder for you you just beat up yourself. So I remember I kept on saying, I don't want to have cerebral palsy. I don't want to have cerebral palsy. Uh, but yeah, I think all those experiences um, We lose, we lost oh. a second, Maria. We lost you for a second. Please just repeat that. Uh, the experiences in primary school, uh, when they all come together, and you know, Sylvia, it's more like a joke, but, um, People don't understand, like, even the small things, like being scared at people talking about you when you're there, or people not accommodating you, impacts you in so many ways. That's true. That's, that's indeed true, yeah. Yeah. Because people, people assume you, you're not feeling, you're not understanding, like they, they forget you also have emotions, you feel, you know, and you're human at the end of the day, right? Yeah. So I feel those, there were many experiences together and they all made an impact in my life. I, I, I couldn't see myself going back into the Kenyan system. So are, are, we saying, are we saying the system matters? Because the Kenyan system was like, it, it, it made you, by the time you started, your mom had done this foundation. This is a strong girl. You were okay playing and everything. Then you get into this education system and all it's doing is beating you down and reminding you of what you cannot do. Then you go into this GCE system, into a private school, special school, where it's all different. You have people who are like you, people who understand you, embrace you, and equip you to better yourself in what you're good at, right? So that's yeah. 
a giant difference in our education system. So I think the Kenya, the Kenyan system and teachers and, and, and society needs to learn from that, that we need to be more focused on equity in terms of this is what I need. So equip me to have exactly what I need so I can thrive in my space, right? And yeah. uh, so the, the inspiration right now, okay, I'm, uh, I'm sure KCCL you did, KCA, then that means your KCSE was easier because now if they're more accommodative, I believe they'd already set it out in a way that everyone is working according to their speed, according to their ability, right? Because um, that way then that means you are able to perform at optimum when they're mm. giving everything that you need so currently right now then you went to university what happened in university where did maria foundation come from like what was the big inspiration and um was university also another challenge like because you're seeing the <laughs> progression of the experience so i'm like okay so how is university going to be let us know yeah, so, so university was also crazy, crazy experience. Um, when I wanted to join, I think all the universities in Kenya had a discussion and they said <laughs> they had never accommodated someone me. Most of them gave me that reply that they have never had someone with cerebral palsy in their school and they don't know how to go about it. They used to say they don't know how to deal with me. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean to deal with me? Um, but also, let me just mention a thing. Uh, a lot of the public uh, universities are overwhelmed. So there are big numbers of students and big classes. So for someone with a neurodiverse um, condition, we just disappear in the because we work better in smaller spaces with one-on-one interaction with the lecturer, with the teacher, with attention in, in learning and industrialization. So going into the public university was not even an option to consider for me. Uh, so the other option was private university. And they have smaller numbers and smaller classes and more one-on-one -on interaction. But they all say, we don't know how to deal with and it's interesting, Sylvia, because I only had a few requirements. I was only requesting to use my laptop in class in exams. And also I was requesting for extra time with the teachers and 
way, uh, some nature assignments and all of that. And it was impossible for them. But luckily, I landed into African Nazarene University, who were willing to yeah. accommodate me and have me. But still, it was, <laughs> I'll give you a good example. For them, it was like walking on a field full of bombs. <laughs> we did not like, we did not where to go or where to step or how to do things. Uh, in things is finding the ways like this no manual accommodating me. There is no manual in accommodating any part of my different ability. You just need to learn as you go on and learn as the individual is. So it's very expect to understand how to do everything from the onset. We can never improve as we should. So I believe in community, even in Nazarene, it was a process. Some days you'll forget my laptop when you're doing to remember the laptop and bring it on time. After days I'll get handled. After days so there are so many moments of inclusion, but you only have to get into the journey so as to know how to include. Oh, wow. So everyone is, it was like you are the guinea pig for institutions. <laughs> I remember I'm crying so many times to my auntie. I do not want to be like, give me a She told me, no, you be like, because I believe, and that's how I got into advocacy. Um, it, I realized, okay. Maybe my game game is actually good because um the others who the, who will come after me will have it easy. They had it. They have it better. The the system will already be a little bit more inclusive. Or more aware. So being a guinea pig actually became a good thing. <laughs> well, what what I appreciate is the fact that at least when when you join, then they have to make changes, right? 
and what you've practically done is like clear the pathway so that now whoever else comes after you it's not going to be another struggle maybe it's a different disability and stuff like that and and you know people are used to like okay yes if it's the blind okay we just need the braille and they have their own special schools and that's what we're always advocating for we're like if you think of us first and you put things in place and you're ready then that means it's just plug and play because everyone else around can actually live within the accommodations you make for special uh, and a neurodiverse person and that's what they don't get I'm a, uh, isn't that it right wow i hadn't even thought about it like i have to actually can live with their accommodations exactly because 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 we are like um like our children and yourselves are like that they ultimate so if you work with being the best that means anyone else will fit in and plug in so about the foundation so tell us a bit about the foundation as we wrap up oh my baby uh, <laughs> uh, it's it's a dream um it's a good dream um for me i had i felt i had one mission um, I felt my life was hard. My life wasn't a piece of cake. And I didn't want any other child to have it as hard as I had it. Um, is through awareness. If we had a balance, we'd have confusion, you know. If we had an intervention available, accessible for everyone, then eventually it's given better chances at life, you know, with our intervention. If we had the right support system, and right now, for children with different abilities, it's you yourself against the world. You know, but it shouldn't be that way. You should be alone in this journey. You should be around by people, family, community. So with these three core things um, and push the foundation and I'm for quite family who don't have access to the information, the knowledge, the services and just try and simplify their lives and make their lives better. Um, we work in Kikiritaoi and we work with special units in public schools and we try and advocate for community-based rehabilitation. So we want to see a transition a continuation in the lives of the children in Africa. 
So whether it's therapy and then therapy off to school and off to school, then that's okay. So and that's uh, yeah, that's a foundation. Um, we are still very new. We are years in. Um, but I believe. Um, I believe in dignity through inclusion. So for every child we choose, we give them back their human dignity. And that's very important to me. And I, I, I saw you also offer therapy. How, how do you work around that? Like how do, how do people reach you? Where are you located? You know? Yeah, okay, well, we are located in Kikuyu town. We offer therapy through a partnership with SEP Kenya. Um, SEP, yeah, SEP, and um, we are, all our services are based in Kenya, but for anyone trying to contact us, us on um, our website, jerrymariafoundation.co.ke. Uh, you can uh, contact us on our social media pages, Jeremiah Foundation, um, and call us. Our numbers are on our pages. So if you need information or advice or support or just um, as someone to hold their hand as you, as you walk through the journey, or just a good laugh sometimes, you can reach out to us. Oh, that's awesome. I like the way you said, oh, my baby, when I said your foundation. <laughs> 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 so that's awesome. <laughs> the way, you know, that shows passion, genuine tea, you know, the way you've embraced it and you're, and you're going on with it. And kudos for that, because at least you understand, you know the importance of therapy because you have actually gone through it. The other thing, what, what, what course did you actually do in, in campus? Oh, I did community development. Community. Ah, so you're actually in line with what exactly you did. Did you have a hard time trying to choose the course you want to take? Uh, considering mm. now everyone was like, oh my God, it's like, okay, we are handling an egg over here, like you said, walking on bombshells. <laughs> so how, how was it uh, trying to decide exactly what you wanted? I wanted to do journalism. I think I wanted to do law at first. I was like, the system is so unfair. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wanted to do law until I saw how big the books are. And <laughs> also, another thing, funny story is, um, we went to a law school of law, and one of the people there told me 
how will you do your prayers? How will you speak? And I was like, what do you mean? He told me, yeah, because lawyers talk all the and you know what I told him? Mm-hmm. I told him, I need, I need some talk. They want you to the monster sit behind those people. And I remember even in choosing my what I wanted to do, there were always people saying, because you talk like that, look like that, you cannot do this, you know? So I, I think that, uh, but I didn't change because of him. I changed because I saw the size of the books. And so I thought, okay, fine, I'll try journalism. So I was going for journalism. And then when I got to journalism, I thought, but I like working with people more than cameras and all that. So I thought, okay, let's do community development. But in all this, um, I was looking for a voice every I was looking for, or I had that voice, I was just looking for somewhere I can speak it out. And so if we notice throughout journalism, there are very loud careers. So yeah, that's how I got into advocacy. And just making a lot of necessary noise. I, I like that statement, making necessary noise, because actually it is necessary. And I like the way you're very vocal on Twitter. And you know, when people uh, look at you like, what can you tell us? You know, because when you speak and they're like, ah, if you are, you know, there is that level of belittlement, like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's hear what they have to say. And normally, if you see how you stand and speak and the facts that you put out there is quite encouraging, like, yo, go, girl. So we're right behind you as you continue with that. Now, I want to ask you a very sensitive personal question. So, have you, have you dated? And if you have, yes, how was the experience? Do you feel like, um, uh, there is limitations in how guys look at relationships in terms of uh, of when you want to date. I hope I was not so brutal. <laughs> I've tried to sugarcoat it as much as possible, but you get my point. Like, how is it? Because I remember you said when when during the teenage you wanted to do what everyone else is doing and go out and stuff like that. But now you're an adult. Now you've paved your way. You've proven yourself, for lack of a better word. But you have done so much. Does this make it easier for you or is it still a challenge? And yeah, just let us in a teeth bit on that personal side of it. Oh, wow, wow. But, <laughs> yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, but yeah, I do that. Um, I've had a couple of relationships in there. 
like when someone of course when you're coming to when someone is coming to hit on you they know who you are what you do the challenges that do you have that introductory conversation because you know okay in women empowerment we usually say like know what you want ask nana you know like ask those tough questions and stuff like that do you ever get have you ever tried to like have that conversation with someone before where at that early point just to avoid you know because like, i think sometimes conversation is what clear so like this is what it is this is how it's going to be there is nothing that's going to change and uh and 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 how do the, if you've had that conversation did they change their minds or you know because i know you're a strong woman and i know not everyone appreciates that sometime when you're vocal and all out there so have you ever had that kind of a conversation uh when you're just about to or in a relationship yeah of course you have to do with them so you tell them this is how it is when you go out people might stare at us um 
But even when you debrief them further, they're the strong ones who can actually go through the genuinity. Those ones who don't even notice people staring, you know, or don't even notice a really more help. They're the ones who just take it as they are. So, communication does play a big role, but it all comes down to what do they accept from the other person? Um, because you can tell them all these things, but still, when you go out, you feel they are ashamed of being seen with you. Yeah? Uh, they don't want to be seen with you, or they don't want to be associated. And feelings, feelings don't lie. Yeah, feelings don't lie. So he can tell you, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm okay with you, I'm okay with you, but then you go out and something happens, or I spill my boots every time. So if we go to I spill my drink, and then you see instead of cleaning it up, he's looking more ashamed, then you, you see, yeah, there's no fire. I know, I know. I can, I can, I can imagine. Because sometimes you, when you're having the conversation, it looks all nice, easy. Then when the actual reality comes, it's it's a different ball game altogether. And right now, mom, I'm sure mom is still walking this journey with you, with the way the far she has come. How how does she feel about like one day she's she's going to? If she's there, she can even answer for me that question. <laughs> how does she feel like one day my my little girl, not so little girl anymore? will have to leave me and go, you know, move on with life. Have you had that conversation? I really wanted to ask you a very sensitive one. Then I decided, you know, that, that one we have on the side. I know you know what I'm talking about, but <laughs> tell me, uh, how, how does she feel? Do you feel like she's ready? Because now you see, you're like, yeah, you have your thing going. You've finished, you know. If, if, if I look at the whole space, space and I'm like, I'm really, truly proud of you because you have broken a lot of the glass ceilings that are put on disability and more so a woman with disability. So, you know, so now we are coming to this other side of that, because I know there are parents who reach out like, I'm so worried with my, you know, will my son, my daughter ever get to experience a relationship, have their own families, because that is what we all wish for. So uh, is mom ready for this? Or have you had that conversation? The funny thing, we had the conversation a while back, and I was getting a bit scared because all of my friends, I get married and they are having children. And I just said to mom, do you ever worry? And she was like, no, I'm just expecting my grandchild. 
And I was like, oh, really? <laughs> but I feel, I can't think either me or, or mom is ready um, for either me moving out or me, or me catching a family of my own. Uh, I don't think we can be ever ready for such a thing, but we know it is possible and it can happen. And I think we, we will deal with it when it happens, but uh, what, what really gets to me is I've been so, so close to my mom. So uh, I can't imagine an aspect of my life where we are not that close anymore. Uh, but as you said, only the dynamics change. But yeah, I think, I think in her mind she knows and in her mind she expects um, so it's possible. How ready we are, we don't know. <laughs> but funny thing uh-huh. is, uh, I was having um, a conversation with a group of people, mm-hmm. and they were all discussing relationships uh, and all that. And funny thing is, no one asked me. That conversation went on for a while, but no one stopped and asked me. So I feel we still assume that part of our passion is a different ability, and we need to stop. Assuming for them. Mm. Do 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 you feel like uh, now in that such scenario in social gatherings and social settings, um, how many like in a percentile out of a hundred, how many times are you included in speaking your mind and your opinion? Do you find like the the way you just said the conversation went on and you were not asked? How often does that happen? Oh. Many times. But now I'm a bit headstrong, so I don't pick up. But many times people forget to include me, and then they're like, oh, Maria was here. And I'm like, I've been here the whole time. But they do, people do that. A lot of that, especially if the issues they don't think I can imagine. Wow. Okay. So now that means our awareness, advocacy for inclusion, we need to up that. We really, really need to up that. But you know, the concern I have is we have very little youth and young adults who come out. You know, like how many do we know who actually stand 
like you go you're very vocal i know kamunyo is i don't know i can see i think it, i don't know if he's still there or we lost him and you guys are out there speaking your mind saying what it is and 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 sharing your experience do you feel like many are not doing this and could you tell like why is it because they're being protected by the parents or is it the way like you said by the time you are doing class eight uh we don't normally have so many going into high school and the opportunities keep dwindling over time so you just end up just sitting home what what, what how would you say because you, you you are in that and i'm sure you have friends also who are in that space how, how would you put it like what exactly is the challenge that we are not seeing a lot of youths coming to stand out and 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 help in this championing for inclusion in this space well i feel there is no safe space for them um it's it <laughs> there is no platform uh of now but although we also say we create our own platforms but also we need the self-spirit and to just be who you are and then whichever space there is now don't take it for who you are. They want um, a perfected image of a person. So, self-space, uh, also the bubble. Parents need to bust their bubble. So many young people, even their friends, um, want to come out, but uh, their parents are afraid on their behalf. So parents need to burst that bubble. So, so it's like it navigates back to us as parents and as society. So for society to accept you and for us parents to be bold enough to let you go and let, let you go out to the world and experience instead of sheltering you. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, okay. I hope all our parents are hearing and listening. Stop babying our babies. Okay, you will forever be our babies. <laughs> that never changes, but yes, we need to let loose and let you go and let you discover and find your voice. And that way I think we'll be able to combine everything and, and, and come out stronger because self-advocacy is actually very, very strong. As much as it's challenging, like if we're talking, or because we're discussing about CP, very, very few persons with cerebral palsy have, uh, are, have a voice in terms of, of the different types of cerebral palsy, the ones that affect audibility and, and, and uh, speaking ability is very few because that has to be the mild CP. So now you're the spokesperson. You are the one representing all this. Does it feel like it's a lot of pressure for you sometimes? Yeah, yeah, it does. And you also feel the desperation of when he thinks about church, things have been the same way for the youngest time. Why don't they see us? Why don't they feel us? Why don't they understand us? It gets overwhelming. And very tough. Um, but, and then it is like, 
and picture Moses carrying a light. So I'm carrying this light and I'm showing the way um, to where I don't know. Um, uh, all I know is I need to do it as best as I can because at some point I will turn and give the light to someone else to read the other. So in advocacy or in representing people with cerebral palsy, I see myself as a light for a moment. And I have to shine so bright and thinking about it like that, it's not even overwhelming. Again, it's more motivating to think I'm only here for this time. I'm only carrying this light for this time. And I need to ensure that it's as bright as ever for other people to shine. So that's my perception representation. I hope when I'm gone uh, and my time in education is up, then people will be able to see the journey that Maria works and the journey Maria simplified for others and they be able, they be inspired to do that for others. I, I couldn't have put it any way better. And just echo what you've said. Uh, there is this, my coasters from Mandela that said, uh, Nelson Mandela once said that when you allow your light to shine, you subconsciously allow others to shine too and you light their way. And I believe that is exactly what you're doing. So keep shining, keep soaring, keep breaking those glasses. Whatever you want to achieve, you can achieve it. So keep going, keep going forward. I, I, I know when I look at it and I look at people like Ashura and I'm like, that's how we're supposed to do it, you know, go forth and, and, and conquer. And uh, you are an inspiration to many, we might not know. And for us as parents also, we feel encouraged that the more we keep at it, at least we're gonna get somewhere. So I really, really, really appreciate. I remember the first time I saw your interview on BBC, I was like, I want her to be my friend. Little did I know on the other side, you are looking for me. And the day that we met, it was like, oh my God, she's here. And it was, it was quite a magnificent moment and keep on, keep on keeping. I know the pressure sometimes feels like it's too much, but don't give up. Don't stop. Don't stop for no reason, you know, and uh, we are right behind you as the Disability Society. We will champion whatever it is that you want us to support you with and we will do that. I know today we have taken longer than our usual, and <laughs> but it was worth the while. I know we have learned so much. I don't know if there are any questions because I haven't seen any hands being raised. Is there anyone with a question? Kindly raise your hand or drop a chat so that that way we will be able to at least address. Uh, you've been told, keep it up. You said this was motivational and it was a very powerful conversation. So kudos to you, Maria. Any question from the audience? 
seeing three, two, any hands raised. I'm not seeing any. So I believe we've covered it well. And uh, thank you, thank you, Njeri, for actually making the time. I know you're busy and you're trying to continue learning in school. So yay, keep with it. <laughs> so until next weekend, um, and we are skipping we, are, we like we said we are doing alternate weekends these days Saturdays on the special needs hangout I've been your host Sylvia Moramuchabo we are always here having discussions that are to empower encourage train motivate and build the neurodevelopmental disability space uh, in the next two weeks uh, in the next yeah, it's in two weeks, we shall be discussing Down syndrome because this month was Down syndrome awareness month and that we will be having one of the caregivers share with us how it is. Then the week after that, we shall be hosting Kamunio who will also share his story. He also has CP and he, at least Maria uh, has, the, has been in that space. Kamunio uh, inspires us in terms of um, breaking glass ceilings the same way we'll hear the male side of the story and the fact that he is on a wheelchair and the challenges that come with that and and to get to the position that he's at in the corporate world so there is a lot of inspiring stories that we need to hear so that we know it's not impossible so and also remember to follow us on our social media handles on twitter uh, plug into our discussions that we're always having on advocacy that is andy speaks then number four uh on ig it is andy speaks uh for me it is mora silvia on twitter and silvia mochabo on ig and join our facebook group also which is andy speaks for special needs persons in brackets smp where we also post opportunities communications and uh, all the neurodigest that we have you get it firsthand there and uh, till next week, thank you. Thank you very, very much, Maria. And someone has said, let me just read out the last two. Maria, you have inspired and touched me. May God bless you so much. And uh, P says, thank you, Jerry, very inspirational. Thank you, Sylvia, for hosting her encouraging for our children. So let's keep talking, let's keep encouraging, and let's keep inspiring and soaring. I enjoy the weekend and pass out your greeting, our greetings to your siblings and to your loved ones and to our precious uh, neurodiverse community. Until next time, it's adios from here. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Oh, all right. Bye, everyone.